my girlfriends even want to go out hunting. Like I took my uh, one friend out one time to shoot her first duck and I was so excited for her, but she was just like, take me back home. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you think that they're just, it's a bird, but they're pretty smart. And when they see something they don't like, they're not going to come into it. That's why my blind bag is huge for the snacks. Like, like, oh my God, I have to be quiet. You know, I can't like crinkle the bag or anything. <laughs> That's a blow right to your face. It's, it's really yeah. sad and unfortunate. And gun safety is like my biggest thing. It's like a slice yeah. of pizza. You want to stay in your slice of pizza. Yeah, basically. A skinny slice of pizza, not a fat slice of pizza. (laughs) Hey guys, this is Sarah Joy. And Nadra Decker. And we're here with Wild Initiative Podcast. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. You and I and everybody listening to this owns 640 million acres. I think he killed more deer drinking his coffee, smoking his cigarette in the pickup truck than I did spending all that time freezing my butt off. Something that I would hope is that people realize that those are wild animals and they have savage natures. I look forward to packing animals out. I look forward to that pain of success. Doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter where you live. I've said it before and you know what I'll Say it again louder for the people in the back. Your present circumstance should not limit your passions. This is Jay Scott of the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Hey, this is Ryan Callahan. Hi, this is Jules McQueen. Hey, everybody. Jason Carter here with Epic Outdoors. Hey, guys. This is Tim Burnett with Solo Hunter. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Today, I'm sitting down with Sarah Joy and Nadra Decker, and we are probably going to talk a little waterfowling, maybe a little bow fishing. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having us. We're, we're so excited. <laughs> So, and we do have a, we do have a special guest uh, y'all can't see the video here, but we have a little furry, uh, four footed guest that's going to be joining <laughs> us as well. Uh, so you may, you may hear from the pup, the pup as we, as we're chatting along, uh, but, uh, one thing I'd love for y'all to, uh, start out with is 
just a little bit about yourselves. How did you get introduced to the outdoors, to hunting and fishing and all of that? So a little bit about me. So I've, I've only been hunting for about five, six years now. So when I was little, my uncle, he um, would take me fishing all the time and really introduced me to the outdoors. And after he had passed away in 2011, I just completely like just stopped, you know, going fishing and what and whatnot. But I've never been introduced to hunting. Like no one hunts in my family except for my cousin Nick, but I wasn't close with him then. Well, as I got older, I started dating this guy. And when he came home from the army, he started hunting and I'm like, Oh, I want, I want to try it. And he's like, well, it's going to be really cold and it's hard work and you actually have to, you know, put out the decoys and, and, you know, do the work if you, if you want to come out with me. And I said, okay, I'll try it. So went out with him and I actually had a doctor's appointment that morning and we weren't getting any ducks. (laughs) It was like, 11 o'clock and I was like, I'm done, you know, like I was getting real mad. (laughs) And he's like, no, just, just wait like 30 more minutes. I said, okay. So two hen mallards fly in and he's like, all right, all right, get ready. And I'm like, okay. So he's like three, two, one, Uh, boom. I got my first duck. I called my, my eye doctor. I said, I can't come in today. I got to cancel my, my doctor's appointment. (laughs) I said, I just got my first duck. And he's, he's like, okay, okay, congrats, you know? So I stayed out there the rest of the day, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm hooked. That was, that was it for me. So if he did, if he did anything good, my ex, it was introduced me to hunting. <laughs> so, yeah. so then, um, but I've been waterfowl hunting, um, for six years and then I just started deer hunting, um, two years ago. So I'm pretty new to that, but my cousin had got me into deer hunting. And so I like deer hunting, but waterfowl hunting to me is more exciting just because you can be out there with your friends and I can have a bunch of food whenever I want to eat, you know, I don't have to be too quiet. <laughs> so that's pretty much me. Okay. How about you, Nedra? Um, so I've been hunting for a little over 12 years now. Um, I pretty much grew up doing it. My great grandfather, uh, got my dad into hunting when he was a child and my dad's been doing it his entire life. So I've been around it since I was born and it's definitely in my blood. So around 12 years ago, I finally got my, uh, hunting license and my dad bought me a 20 gauge Remington 870 pump shotgun. And he took me on my first goose hunt for youth day. And we had a single come in and he was like, all right, kiddo, this is all you. Get ready, get ready. I mean, just beautiful coming right in, backpedaling the decoys. And one shot, boom, folded it. And uh, absolutely was hooked right then and there. And then uh, for Christmas, he ended up actually getting the bird mounted for me. So my first piece was on the wall. <laughs> and I've been hooked since. I waterfowl hunt. Turkey hunting is hands down my favorite. I'm absolutely 
eaten up with that. That is April, come April to May, like, or April, March, April, May. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, April to May. It's I, uh, a little rough this year. I, I yeah. <laughs> a little other place. COVID actually really did like justice for me with turkey hunting. I had so much time off. I just, I turkey hunted so much. I did not get a bird, but I came close a couple times and just that's hunting. So, <laughs> but I, I really into deer hunting, sick of deer hunting, white tail, uh, really big into bow fishing as well. So pretty much just do it all. Okay. Did you just mention the, the Sika deer? Sika deer. Yes. Okay. I just, I was literally, I'm, I'm packing like hunting season has exploded all over my office right now. I'm packing for my hunts this year and I just had meat eater on loop. And I literally, very literally just yesterday, they didn't uh, watched an episode they did on the Sika deer. Okay. Not to be confused with the Sitka deer we have over here, but the the ones you all have out there are like the little Japanese deer, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So um, Meat Eater just did an episode or, well, they did one a while ago and I was just watching that. So it's funny, funny you bring that up. It was just an interesting coincidence because um, I'd never heard of them prior to that. So we're actually about you know, like two hours-ish from uh, Dorchester, Maryland. And um, basically, from what I got out of it, there was this pretty much like a high fence farm that had them on this like island in Dorchester County. And they got a really cold winter and everything froze over, the swamp froze over. And then they just walked across and <laughs> kind of populated and did their thing. So they opened, I guess, a season up for them and whatnot and let people hunt them and what everything. And they're, it's not everybody really gets into it. It's hard hunting. It's a lot of marsh and swamp and it's a lot of work and it's not everybody even has the opportunity to do it because you have to have property or and there are, there are some like public hunting and whatnot, but again, it's tough work like to get out there and be able to target them. So, Yeah. Yeah. It looked, it just looked really interesting and I'd never in my life heard of them, heard of them before yesterday. So I just, oh, I just wow. found it funny that you brought them up. Yeah. Like I never, I would have guessed like after you had said that, I would have guessed you were just talking about Sitka deer and like moved past <laughs> it if it wasn't for that random episode I'd watched yesterday. But, um, so as I always say, part of the big reason I started this podcast is because I wanted an excuse to talk to people when I wanted to learn how to do something because mm-hmm. uh, um, I didn't, I didn't grow up with anyone, anyone teaching me to hunt either. Yeah. This is all a brand okay. new thing for me. And so this year, my big thing that I really, really want to go do is I want to go waterfowling. Really? Ooh. Uh, I've just, I've never been, I've always, always thought it sounded like so much fun. And for Sarah, like the reasons you were talking about too, it's such like a, you know, I'm used to, I'm used, I've been hunting a lot of different types of hunting. Mm -hmm. Uh, but even if you go with someone, it's like, you're always being quiet. You're, you know, we're packing in. It's very like, it's very intense and like kind of, uh, stressful and serious. Um, and it's always fun, especially when you're out with someone, but, uh, just the the thing about waterfowl, it, it is, it's a social thing. You know, you go out and you can, have a few beers afterwards. You can, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Cause you know, you'd never, never have a few beers during, I don't know anyone, uh, <laughs> anyone that's ever <laughs> exactly. done that. Um, 
<laughs> that would be that would that would be completely unsafe. Um, <laughs> but you know, you can have food, you can hang out with your friends, you can yeah. it's a very social event yeah. and yeah. Um, that's why my blind bag is huge for the snacks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Thanksgiving, like I bring my whole Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Go out there all day. Like, it's, it's bad. That's why I'm like deer hunting. I'm like, oh my god, I have to be quiet. You know, I can't like crinkle the bag or anything. <laughs> uh, it's so frustrating. And like, I mean, waterfowl hunting, you have to be patient too. But I mean, deer hunting, you really have to be patient. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like if hunting has taught me anything, it's patience. (laughs) Like it's just, I was never a patient person. And that's one thing is definitely taught me. But when I started out, so I didn't shoot my first shotgun until 19, until I was 19 years old. So, and I shot it at, in Tennessee, which was awesome, (laughs) you know, but I was so weak and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't even like hold a 12 gauge gun. You know, (laughs) I was like, Oh man, I really got to bulk up here. So, and then I started shooting clays and that's when I got into like sporting clay competitions. This was even like before I started hunting and, but shooting like skeet and sporting clays, um, that really helps you practice for waterfowl because I mean, that's how fast ducks are. Like it's insane how fast that, you know, they fly. And then I started hunting. So I was already like prepared in that way, you know, but I honestly didn't think I was going to be able to even shoot an animal. Cause I'm like, I really was like, I have to desensitize myself, <laughs> you know, completely. But after that first duck, it's like, boom like full hunting mode like right after that that's why my family's like how can you do that you know (laughs) it's like well it's food on the table you know it's all organic and i mean i barely have to go to the grocery store for any meat go on the freezers yeah it's it's one of those funny things because i remember that i remember that feeling as well where you're like you're kind of coming up to it you're getting ready for your first hunt or whatever it is or you're sitting there and you're like am I really going to be able to do this? Like, yeah. I've read about it. I've studied it. I've practiced for it. But like mm-hmm. when it, when I got that thing in my sights and then I remember the first time that I drew on an animal with my bow, I was just like, there was n- not even a second thought about it. It was like, it was done and over with before I even considered like the whole process and what had happened. And, mm-hmm. um, it's a weird feeling. And I'm sure it's different, different for every single person, but, um, it's a it's a weird experience trying to figure that out. Yeah. And I haven't shot I haven't shot a deer yet. Um the deer is what got me. Yeah. That's what really made me sit there and think. And mm-hmm. you know, I feel like as long as you realize what you're doing it for and yep. it's not just the trophy aspect of it, that you have respect for the animal and you know that you're going to putting food on the table for your family or donating to feed other people as well Uh, that was my main thing was deer hunting was what really got me and really questioned it Mm -hmm. but like I said just respect of the animal and know what you're the reason you're what the reason behind it and whatnot so but yeah but I mean missing a deer sucks and that's what happened that's hurt last year but Injuring one is like even worse, <laughs> you know, because you're like, oh man, you can't even find the deer. 
like I mean that just tears like tears your day up and that's what like anti-hunters don't understand we think they're you know horrible feeling they think we're just like hurting these animals and it's like no we we feel awful after that hunt you know that type of hunt and we look for them and look for them you know but I mean it, it happens but I did a hog hunt in Florida last year <laughs> that that was a fun hunt i do it again it was really hot <laughs> <laughs> like we were all this like, big swamp buggy like i mean <laughs> it was it was insane and but it was the first time like shooting um a hog with my rifle so i was super excited and i mean i still have meat from it today like it's it's provided a lot for me and my family but yeah, that you you should go on a hog hunt. That was definitely fun if you haven't been yet. I'm pretty sure he's a hog or a boar on this wall. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's my that's my javelina. That's my javelina from Arizona. Oh. Um, oh, I see. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I I have been on a hog hunt. My actual actually my uh the very first animal I drew on was a hog. Oh, nice. And and it you know it's funny you bring that up. It's because. I, uh, I went through that whole hunt and, and that was, that was when I was like, crap, am I going to actually be able to do this? And it was helpful that it was a hog because mm-hmm. to some extent you're kind of like, oh, these are, these are some nasty animals. <laughs> like yeah. I don't, it's not like this beautiful, majestic animal that's like creeping through the woods. It's like this dirty, stinky, ugly, yeah. overpopulated non-native species oh, yeah. that's just grunting and snorting. And you're like, okay, I have no problem with this right now. Um, <laughs> but even in the face of that, you know, I went through and there's this huge buildup and I, and I, I'd missed on the first couple. They were, they're kind of long shots. And then, uh, I connected on one and I was there with my friend Jess and we were both like celebrating we're hugging, high fiving, you know, super, super excited. And never found the hog. It just disappeared off into nowhere. Never know what happened. It, uh, both of us saw it. Looked like it was the perfect shot. We even mm-hmm. watched. I had a GoPro on it. And it looked perfect. And you know, after all I said about hogs, you know how nasty they are. How oh whatever, it's just a hog. I was devastated. I felt so awful for you know. And I mean, we looked for that thing for hours. Couldn't find it. Um, not even any sign of it. Mm-hmm. And it's it is even any animal that you wound like that. It's devastating. It's it's a horrible feeling, regardless of you know whether it's like a you know some beautiful majestic animal out in the woods or some scroungy ass little thing you know <laughs> running around a corn feeder. Yeah, well, that's what happens with um, waterfowl hunting. Like you'll lose birds in the reeds. I mean, they, they'll, they'll go back. Yeah, they'll just they'll, go, and yep. go and go and yeah. go. come back up. And it's I mean, you search for hours and hours. <laughs> It's like, it's so, it's the most frustrating feeling ever. <laughs> but I mean, that's waterfowl hunting for you too. Or you got to chase them. <laughs> so speaking of waterfowl hunting, like this is, like I said, this, this is my year. I want, I'm, I'm de- bound and determined to do this. I've got to figure out when the seasons are, but I've got a few different buddies that I've, I'm pretty sure I've got invites to come out, come out with them. I just got to make sure I'm not lazy and make the time to do it. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) um, so for someone just starting out, you know, I've got, I've got my shotgun. The shotgun I bought is actually a waterfowl gun. It's uh, judging from the the camo pattern on it. Um, 
It's it's got like the reed the the whatever uh the shadow grass think, blade. Is it the real tree max or yeah. whatever? Is that the max, max five? Max five, I think. Yeah. I, it's I don't know. It's one of those <laughs> styles of patterns I, on the shotgun, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure this was used for for hunting duck. Yeah. Um, what's the, yeah. Um, what's, yeah. What's the brand? It's a, a Mossberg eight thirty five. I want to say eight thirty five. I always get that wrong. Yeah. It's a Mossberg. Um, I'm just not familiar with Mossbergs. I think I'd have to look at it. Now I'm doubting myself about the camo pattern, <laughs> but <laughs> I've got like 90 pictures of it somewhere. It's right out here. of that and it's grass I know a lot of <laughs> my buddies at Waterfowl Hunt do shoot Mossbergs. So yeah. Oh, there we go. Pretty much any shotgun. Well, I was going to say, so somebody buying their, you know, they want to go waterfowl hunting. What kind of, what kind of shotgun are they looking for? Like not necessarily a brand, but what are they, what are they looking for? in a shotgun generally um so i mean i use semi like automatic guns um i would suggest a yeah 12 gauge yeah 12 gauge semi-automatic um because they're coming fast you know there's ducks <laughs> yeah you want to get as many yeah. shots off mm-hmm. time that you can <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i would not suggest like a pump gun <laughs> no but yeah, I mean, like some of my friends, they use 20 gauge, I mean, 12 or 20, but I mean, I use 12. I don't have a 20, but so I started out with a 20 and um, absolutely loved it for everything that I was doing. But the older I got and the uh, harsher the seasons have been, you know, ducks aren't coming into the spread like they used to. They're not coming pretty far shot. So shooting a 20 gauge, I could barely reach out far enough to even have the opportunity to shoot shoot at them or, you know, have an opportunity to kill one. So I, I upgraded finally to a big girl gun and got a 12 gauge a couple of years back. And I haven't had any issues since I've been hit them all day long. And, um, also make sure it's not like too heavy for you. So like the barrel length, like I have a 26 inch, on both my guns um, because the 28s are just a little too heavy for me just when I'm, you know, had to pick up my gun real quick and shoot. So it's not like, you know, I don't have to, it's not too heavy lifting up, you know, real fast. So when well, I imagine you're swinging that thing too, uh, yeah. trying to lead the, lead those birds. So you need to be able to move that pretty quick. Yeah. I would definitely, um, if you have someone who has like a lot of guns and is willing to go to like a shooting range with you yeah, before the hunt, traps, yeah, I would suggest shooting skeet or um, sporting clays right before you, you hunt. So you're uh, familiar with the gun and you're comfortable with it and it's not too heavy and you're good to go. You know what to expect. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. I, uh, you know, we're, I'm, I'm out in California and, um, we actually have some incredible waterfowl hunting out here in California Yeah, and I've, I've yet to take advantage of it. Um, I've been told from people that supposedly know these things, I've been told it's actually some of the best in the nation when, when it's a good year, Oh wow! but, uh, we can't, uh, we can no longer use lead shot in any of our, any of our shotguns this mm-hmm. year. And mm-hmm. 
I recently, I recently, I was at uh, Shot Show and I came across um, a company that uh, they make tungsten shot. Oh yeah, and it's super heavyweight shot. Um, and have you guys have you have you guys tried that out yet? No, uh, no, but I've heard of it. It's. I'm just curious. I I don't know anybody that's used it, and I'm really really curious about it. Just because I'd also like to use it for for because I use a shotgun for coyotes as well. And so I'd I'd like to use it for coyotes. I'm just curious if anybody haven't found anyone that's used it yet. Um, so I, I haven't gotten any good feedback on it. But mm-hmm. so what? What is? <clears throat> dear Lord, going through puberty right there. Um, <laughs> what is some of the stuff? Um, <clears throat> heavens, this is welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> Yeah, reset again. Uh, so, what is uh, what is some of the other critical gear? Maybe that you know, say somebody wants to get into into waterfowl hunting. What's kind of the base level? Like this is this is the stuff you have to have to start to start waterfowling. Ooh. Um, waiters. <laughs> um, that have to, they need to be breathable because you don't want anything that's not breathable um i'll see uh nice warm jackets yeah warmers yeah (laughs) a yeti mug with uh hot chocolate or coffee (laughs) lots of snacks yeah Um, make sure you have plenty of boxes of shells you think you have enough boxes pack an extra Mm -hmm. one because there are days that you will just blow through a box um definitely rain gear because you never Mm -hmm. know what you're gonna get you know, beanies, hats, your calls, yes. extra. Uh, so, I mean, this is like cold an weather. An extra pair like, of clothes. Yeah. Because when you get back to the shop, if you're putting out decoys and you fall in or you get some water in your waders, you're going to want to change mm-hmm. and get warm. Yeah. I'm, I pretty much do all day hunts too. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm there. I'm, rough. I'm there. Sunrise to sunset. I, lo- I love it. So just pack extra yeah. everything. But, I mean, I... I stay out all day in like negative 10 degree weather. I don't care if it's snowing or what. Just, I mean, I bring everything with me, like my whole house. But so, you know, talking about like, I guess the waiters and somebody's looking for a pair of waiters. I'm probably not like, I could probably get away with them, but I'm not going to use my nice light, warm weather fly fishing waiters necessarily uh-huh. for going duck hunting in November. It's probably probably going to want something a little bit warmer a little more insulated right and make sure they go like all the way up you want chest waders definitely definitely chest waders okay um my suggestion would be um i'm not sure if you've ever heard of banded and avery outdoors Mm -hmm. um so my dad is his name is wayne radcliffe and he is the east coast territory manager for banded so he goes and sells all their products to all these little dealers and big dealers all on the east coast and um i've been very lucky to uh you know bit of a hookup on <laughs> some of their products and their waders and they actually make um all kinds of different waders but even women's waders and children's waders which is really nice so i um i've gone through like two pairs now 
my first pair was like a children's size <laughs> and they lasted me a good like four winters. I actually sick of deer hunted in them as well. So like that was really nice. But I finally got a pair of the women's waders and they're insulated. So they're super warm. They just act just like bibs. They're super comfortable. They're not like the neoprene. They're literally like bibs. So they're comfortable. You can, you know, squat and sit and not like hurt your knees, like pulling your knees any. Um, I get a couple jackets, hoodies and jackets, and I put them on the inside and wear them on the out, like put my waders on the outside, basically. Completely waterproof, warm. Uh, I literally can't stress enough how great these waders are. So funny thing is, so I, <laughs> I'm sponsored by Drake Waterfowl. <laughs> so we're rivals. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much so. And another funny thing is, I just met Nadra not even a month ago. <laughs> and we're li- literally like best friends now. So I, um, we didn't realize we lived like so close to one another. <laughs> I thought she lived in a different state. Yeah. Or we would have been friends way sooner. Yeah. And I don't have, none of my girlfriends hunt or anything or even want to go out hunting. Like I took my um, one friend out one time to shoot her first duck. And she got it, and, she, and I was so excited for her, but she was just like, take me back home. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, this is not happening again. But I was so excited for her. So to have, you know, to find a friend here that, you know, shares the same passions as I do, like, that's really, like, rare. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. So, but even though we're, you know, rivals and she can't wear drake and i can't wear abandoned you know? <laughs> but it's okay we still gotta- shoving each, <laughs> shoving each other out of the picture for instagram so i just started like bow um bow fishing with her so and that's i'm always up for like to do something new like i love new challenges you know and Bow fishing has definitely been a challenge for me. I mean, it's it's hard. Like when you're first starting out, it's it's really hard. But I love it. So I'm glad she got me into that now. I went I went bow fishing for the first time. Gosh, I want to say, gosh, it has to have been three years ago at this point. Um, I made I made a couple of good buddies on that trip, and then the other guys we won't we won't speak of them ever again. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> It's literally like, it's honestly, it's literally, I went bow fishing with some of the best and worst people I know, literally as far on the opposite ends of the spectrum as it could possibly be. Um, I'll be, we did, we did put out a really good podcast uh, on that trip, but I I digress. Uh, um, But yeah, I went bow fishing for the first time. And honestly, that is probably one of my all time favorite things. I've only ever done it once, but and I barely, I, I, I think I only got two teeny little fish and then I helped, uh, we did get, uh, one of the guys did, uh, manage this monster alligator gar and, uh, it, and I ended up having to put a second, a second arrow in him to help like drag it in. Cause he, uh, the one, uh, the one line was about to snap. And so I, I helped him one pull it isn't in. Enough. But, yeah. And that thing, uh, that what thing was huge. State. That was down in Louisiana. We were awesome. We were down in like deep South Louisiana. Um, we were hanging out with a dude named Hound Dog that only had a few teeth. Um, 
Oh no. <laughs> it, it was me, that though. it was that awesome of a trip. Let's just say that. Um good old good old hand dog. Um I just I love it. It's like I don't know. It's it's like a party. Like I, that's the best way I can describe it. It's like a hunting party the whole time. Like, you know, you're just you're out on the water, you know, everything's all lit up. It's like the yeah. middle of the night. It just it feels like a almost like a rave or something on the water. It's yeah, it's a, And you know, everyone's like hooting and hollering and you know, you got beers on the boat and I don't know. It's just a good it's just a good time. I need to get I need to get back out cuz the kind of the kind of bow fishing we do out here is like you sit on the you sit on the shore you sit on sit on the end of a pier and you just like shoot a carp, yes. And it's it's not that like that super exciting. It's not like yeah. the on the boat experience. So <laughs> I gotta I gotta work on that. But well, if you ever want to come out to Maryland, we'll hook you up. Yeah. See, you know, I I have a tendency to just get in the car and drive ridiculous distances for things. So. <laughs> That I will, most likely, I mean, short of, short of, I don't, I really don't think there's many places, maybe short of the end, other end of Florida, there's not many places that could actually be farther for me to come visit. I know. <laughs> but yeah, that's not, that's, that's not going to stop me. I'm going to come out, come bow fishing, come maybe shoot some ducks with y'all. Sweet. But, yeah. <laughs> so back to back to waterfowl hunting mm-hmm. what what kind of setup you know we've got we've talked a lot about decoys we've talked about sarah how you have to carry two decoy bags one for your snacks one for your actual decoys yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> i trust me i like i feel you on that because like i went hunting in arizona with these guys and like i was under the impression we were going to come back for lunch and that's how they made it sound no we're out all damn day I had two damn protein bars and that was it. And I was, I get angry I went, <laughs> when I don't have snacks. I get angry. So I feel you on that. I'm yep. just going to throw that out there, but yep. I'm not a pleasant person to hunt with when I don't have food. <laughs> uh, but, Same. <laughs> um, so uh, talking about what, what kind of areas do you look for when you're, uh, when you're hunting waterfowl? Uh, marsh. Um, so I hunt on a river, so I don't have a boat. I have a kayak, so I have to kayak to the spot <laughs> and hook my decoys up, you know, on, on the, the back, yeah, on the, on the sled. Like, I mean, it, it's it's hard work because you know, just getting everything in the um, kayak and then in the sled, you know, hooked up. So you have to have your mud seat, your decoys, your blind bag, your gun, <laughs> yeah, and. So I have like a headlight on the whole time and you got fish, you know, flying at you. <laughs> so, but yeah. Yeah. So then you got to like put it in the reeds, make sure that's all hidden and, you know, get your mud seat out and just sit in the mud basically. And then I also hunt like a, um, a field and a pit. So if you're going to be in a pit, again, bring everything with you. That's a and little then, more laid back. Yeah, I like the pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Put out your decoys, throw everything in the pit, drive yeah. back and just walk back out. And then you also have a layout blind. If you're in a field and don't have a pit, I don't. I personally do not like a layout blind really? because I fall asleep. 
they're just really comfortable and i thought it was like a really neat experience like being so like ninja-y yeah (laughs) have you had luck in a lookout line i haven't had any luck like one time one time and shot the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> I was really, yeah, really neat to see it, but I remember for the most part. Um, I was gonna say, like seeing the layout, seeing the layout blinds. It always reminds me of when I was a little kid on the uh, on the beach, and we would we would always do this thing where we we'd bury ourselves halfway in sand, and you'd put your arms up above your head, and somebody would throw a towel over you, mm-hmm. and then they'd sprinkle chips on top of you, <laughs> and we had squirrels at our beach too. And so the uh, the squirrels and the and the, or the seagulls would come walk around. And when you'd feel someone walking on top of you, you jump up and you wrap them up with a towel. That's always whenever I see the layout blinds, like people popping up out of them. That's immediately what I think of. Yeah. And then of course we were in elementary school, so we'd go yep. chase all the girls with the seagull we had wrapped up in a towel. And that's <laughs> so funny. See, I just don't think I can pop it, pop out enough, you know, like in like time. I'm yeah, I'm not fast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and like falling asleep, I'm like, oh, I'm all comfy, you know. But, I feel like it's more <laughs> of an adrenaline rush for me because it's like, oh my gosh, am I going to get out on time? Am I going to sleep? Yeah. Am I going to come up too fast? Like, am I going to come up too stuck. slow? Like, yeah. where are they going to go? Like, am I even going to have them in my zone? Like, it's just so many things just floating around. Yeah. You're stressing and, um, out about sea duck hunting so i personally haven't been sea duck hunting but i heard it's a little bit harder just because the boat's rocking you know but have you been sea duck hunting i've been sea duck hunting a lot um so my dad pretty much has uh, (laughs) like a boat a john boat a big boat we take a layout boat out to like the sea duck zones and Pretty much, you put the layout boat in the water. You put a bunch of uh, long lines out, and then you literally just sit in the layout line or the layout boat with like another person, and they lit like you don't have to call nothing. These birds, I hate to say it, but they're not the brightest, <laughs> and they literally just come right into the decoys. And I mean, it is a blast. I absolutely love, love, love sea duck hunting. Um, I know a lot of people don't have the layout boats so they do hunt out of their boats there are like duck specific duck boats that are made for that like with seating and they're like gray and i don't know what they're called i've never been i've never been in one or anything like that but they're they look pretty comfortable and neat and whatnot it's pretty much a a duck line but a boat okay so that's kind of a hook up so are those the general kinds of uh, like that's generally what you could expect. If you're going to uh, waterfowl hunting, it's generally going to be one of these things. You're either getting into the marshlands and you're sitting in in a mud seat. Yeah. You're in a pit blind. You're in, in, um, oh, body booting. Yes. <laughs> Good call. I've been body yeah, booting. Okay. Body booting's fun. Twice. Do you know what that, how do this, you, do you know this what that sounds is? like something that you do after two minutes. This sounds like some. <laughs> Hey man, you ever gone body booting? Like this sounds like something you do after too many shots. I don't know. <laughs> no, it it's really neat. Pretty much, um, you take the boat out to these flats, and you put a bunch of decoys out, and then they actually make these like silhouettes with mm-hmm. on poles yeah. and. You stick them right in front of you, but they're giant silhouettes, so they cover you. So you're standing in the water, waist deep, 
with these things covering you and it has a little box so you put your on a little mount to hold your gun you put your box of shells and whatever else you want and you literally just hide and like they rotate so you can literally yeah. just like if the ducks are going behind you you steady or moving with the uh, silhouette to hide mm. yourself and then as soon as you get a shot they come in the decoys <laughs> boom but only problem with that is tides yeah and, uh, <laughs> yep. wind picks up they, yeah. it gets a little choppy and it it'll it'll get in your waders <laughs> so it can be a little cold i just think you need to come to maryland and experience yeah, every waterfowl hunt <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a pretty damn good time to me i, yeah. I gotta say so body boot and so like you say it, you describe it, and then I say body boot, and, and somehow the name makes sense, and I don't know why, but it does. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's kind of like it's effectively almost like a kind of like a hunting a hunting decoy, like a like one of those fold out flat hunting decoys. Like, so a silhouette, like most mostly silhouettes are just like plywood, and they literally cut the shape of a duck or a goose or a swan. Oh, okay, and then you just paint it the same colors that whatever animal you want to use. And then you just stick a pole to it and shove it in the ground and pretty much just hides you. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's generally the same idea. It's like, it's just a flat, yeah. it's just like a flat kind of representation of the animal that you're hiding. Yeah. Hiding instead behind. of like a full body. Yeah. Or, yes. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, know what kind of waterfowl hunt you're doing yet? I have no clue. Like if it's like on a boat, you have no clue. You're I just was going to ask that because <laughs> I've heard that you got seal out there and that, that mm-hmm. is a bucket list duck for me. That's, I, I have been told, I've been told that actually by a couple of people. I have a buddy uh, who lives in Salt Lake now. He's from Pennsylvania originally. Okay. Um, and he is a huge, huge waterfowler. He, he absolutely is addicted to it. He's been doing it his whole life. And, uh, that's, that's, I think he told me the same thing. He's like, man, I need to get out of, out to California for some teal one of these days. If you're ever, yep. if you're ever hunting out there, you got to let me know and we'll, I'll come out. And, uh, but I think this one, I, I think I'm going to be going to Texas. Um, cause funny enough, like I've got, a, I've got a few friends here that'll like take me on hunts and stuff. No problem. Like for hog or this or that or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the people they are like, yeah, come out are all like on the other side of the united states yeah. uh, oh my God. that's the thing about running the podcast i mean that's that's I'll, I'll be honest that's half of the reason i started running the podcast was to meet cool people because i didn't know anybody that would take me out hunting so shoot let's let's start calling people up um but my buddy out in texas and i think his is uh his i don't know if it's a pit blind or if or what it is but he it's a it's like a field kind of layout or setup yeah that or uh, like an a-frame i like a-frame blinds too yeah they're not too good yeah is that just kind of like an above ground blind you're shooting out of okay okay have you hunted out of a pit or layout blinds or anything never i mean i've I have not waterfowl hunted at all. I have ducks on my back wall that a buddy gave me that I got taxidermied because I thought they were cool. Um, I <laughs> he was I, I I bought a freezer off of the off of my buddy like a big chest freezer and he's like he's like ah oh, gosh they were moving and they didn't want to and he's like I don't want to clean this thing out you can just keep whatever's in there and I thought he was talking like frozen pizzas. I get home and there's like 14 different ducks and geese in there. There you go. And there's some good stuff too. But then, uh, 
some of it, some of it got pretty badly freezer burned. They, they were pretty, they were pretty old and the yeah. taxidermist just couldn't do much with them. Um, there's a, there's a Canadian goose with a fully white belly that just looked really, really cool that I was super bummed. I didn't get to keep, but Aww. anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so far I just, uh, I just display a uh, waterfowl that I haven't shot myself. Um, <laughs> Secret safe, yeah. You won't tell. <laughs> yeah, between me, you, and the, the the thousand or so people that listen to this episode, uh, <laughs> your lord, all the secrets are coming out today. But no, I've I've I'm very excited to to get out. So I I am curious uh, about the decoys because we haven't really talked too much about the decoys and. With these different setups, I'm sure there's a ton of different decoy setups as well, right? Yeah, like yeah. ways to set them up, different types of decoys, and Correct. so. And I know, I know that could be something that's kind of intimidating for someone that's just getting their start. Like, okay, you know, unless you got some buddies that that you can just go out with that are already set up. That's yeah, or like definitely know what they're doing, like how to set them up, because mm-hmm. you can't just throw them all out there. You're supposed to you know, there's different techniques to use and different ways. And you, I was always told that like, you know, you set them all up, but you always want to leave like circle, like a mm-hmm. hole. So that way that when the birds are coming in, they see a landing spot. Yeah. So like you're preparing for them to land there. So they're in your face. So you can shoot them. So how does, how does this setups differ from like, say, you know, you're setting up on water in marshland to in a field like when you arrange them obviously with floating decoys you anchor them and you can put them in groups and somewhat but they're going to be moving around a little bit so when i shoot when i hunt out of a pit it's usually for geese not you know ducks unless a duck once decides to fly by (laughs) randomly (laughs) um it has happened um so what i do is like an x and then so it's like a group in each corner and then they land right, you know, in the center. So that's how, that's how I set up. Unless you said, how do you set it up? Pretty much the, with the circle, I kind of fall back and let the big guys <laughs> kind of do what they want, the experts. But I just, for the most part, just like throw them out. And if they want to adjust, they can adjust because I'm not going to sit there and like, Hey dad, where you want yeah. this one? Hey dad, can I put this one right here? <laughs> so, usually I'm the main help with picking them up. Cause yeah. you can't mess that up. <laughs> so, um, but like when you're goose hunting, for the most part, you're just going to have a goose spread. So you can use full body silhouettes, you know, if you're on the water, the floaters, and there's just all kinds of different like types, like feeders and, you know, lookers and they, they come like fully flopped mm-hmm. and just so many different things. And then like, you know, if you're field hunting, you do have the opportunity to shoot a couple of ducks. So like you could add like a couple mallard yeah. decoys on the very end of the spread, just, just in case. And then, you know, with duck hunting, um, uh, we usually use, I mean, there's a lot of singles that you'll just throw out, but we do a lot of long lines. It's just a lot easier. Looks good. They kind of like, it's like one long line and then they have like a uh, one to two foot like leader hanging off of mm-hmm. them so that, you know, they can move and they just look natural floating and going whatever, which way. And it, it just looks pretty, it's pretty cool. 
So when you say a long, when you say a long line, uh, you see, you mentioned long lines. That's basically just a long line of attached decoys. It's like an anchor. Then it's a uh, like what, 50 foot line. And yeah. then you literally like mm-hmm. every three feet, two feet, you hook, you clip a leader with a decoy on. And then you go like a couple feet up and you do the same and the same and the same. So your anchor, you have like plenty of anchor out. You have a really long piece. It's like, you know, let's say you've got five foot of water. you got like eight foot. So it's not dragging the decoys down, but pretty much you just, I think you put like five to 10 maybe lines out and then you can just put a bunch of singles around it. And, and then like, like what I was going to say was, um, like if you're diver hunting, you know, like you want to have specific diver ducks. You can't put puddle ducks in a diver duck, deep, like a diver duck spread because, you know, nothing's going to come into it. Like there's just different things that like you can and can't do or, you know, it just doesn't look right to those birds. And like you think that they're just, it's a bird, but they're pretty smart. And when they see something they don't like, they're not going to come into it. It it weirdly almost reminds me of fly fishing. Right? And yeah. it, like you pick a fly and you can pick 10 different flies that at a quick glance, they just, yeah, they all look similar enough, but the fish, like if the fish aren't biting on that yellow pattern, but they're biting on the green pattern all day long, or, mm-hmm. you know, it's there, they'll be very specific. And if it just doesn't look like, look quite right, if it's not the right thing for that, I don't know, for somebody that's just, as you were saying that, that's really what came to mind to me. No, it makes sense. I'm not familiar. Yeah. I've never actually fly fished. I've seen people do it and, you know, talk to them about it and stuff, but I can totally see that being an issue. <laughs> <laughs> but when I go out on the water, I, so the decoys I have, like you just wrap the weight around them. And when you go out, you just unhook it, put the weight all the way at the end of the string, throw them out. That's, that's all I, that's all I do. So it's simple. And then you just go back out and get them. So they're just kind of like single, single decoys. I did last okay. year. Yeah. Last year. Yep. I saw this weird thing at one of the, one of the ISE shows. It was like a, it was some product where, I don't know. It was like all these interconnected arms and that would go below the water and you could like pull a string and it would make, like your entire spread of ducks look like it was like swimming in this. Oh, yeah, it was yeah, the yeah. trickiest I've thing. Seen that. I've, seen that. I've seen it. It looks rad. Yeah. I've never seen one in person, never used one in person, but I've seen lots of videos and I've, uh, we have a big show up here, out here, the uh, Pennsylvania Hunting Expo. It's like the largest on, in the United States, mm-hmm. I believe. And they're there every year and it, it's, it's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, I sat and talked with the guy for like an hour because I was sick of walking around the show. And I'm like, I know nothing about duck hunting, but I'll talk to you about this thing. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember it looked really cool. But Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So say, uh, you know, somebody's getting into hunting, wants to get into waterfowl hunting. They want to start building their kit. What 
you know, obviously they probably need to figure out what kind of ducks they're, what kind of ducks or geese or whatever they're going to be hunting. That's yes. going to be critical. But how much should they expect to be investing in decoys initially? A lot. Like, a lot. It is a very yeah. expensive hobby. Yep. All everything <laughs> involving hunting is expensive. Yeah. All of it, including the decoys. Yeah. So with my uh, the company my dad works for, so it's Bandit Avery and GHG, which is Greenhead Gear Decoys. So. Um, they are the best of the best. They are the most realistic looking. They are beautiful. They float. I mean, you can pretty much, yeah, well, there's a couple ones that like somebody shoots a little low and they'll sink a decoy, but for the most part, they are very, very like reliable. And I mean, you can use them for years and years and years and they're, what is the word I'm looking for? Like they last long. Durable. 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 Sure. Let's sure. use yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, um, is there anything else? You know, somebody's wanting to get into waterfowling. Say, okay, I'm going with some buddies. I don't need. I don't need to buy all the decoys. They got all that stuff set up. I know. I got. I know. I need to pick up my shells. I got to pick up my waders. Got to get some warm clothes, some snacks, and uh, got all of that stuff. What do I need to know just to make sure I don't look like a total idiot going out with my buddies for the first time? Like, what, what, do I, what can I expect going out? Say, say, we'll just go with a pit line, for example. I'm going out with my buddies. We're all in a pit line. I don't want to look like a total amateur in front of them. What, like, what can I expect well, going in there? Hunting out of a pit, my, my most important thing is gun safety. Um, I've heard a lot of horror yes. stories that people are like hanging over and the gun's right in their face and they come up and their trigger gets stuck on like a branch or something and they shoot themselves and it's, mm-hmm. they don't, they're not making that. That's a blow right to your face. It's, it's really yeah. sad and unfortunate and gun safety is like my biggest thing. You want to make sure your gun's always leaning forward. You want to make sure it's always on safety. And I'm sorry, my dog is Always on safety. I always, when like birds are coming, dad says, get ready. I always like lean up and I put my gun barrel out of the top of the pit. Mm-hmm. And I still stay hidden, but I make sure it's nowhere near my face and it's out and away and in a good zone. And like, mm-hmm. that's the other thing. If birds are to your way right, and that's not your zone. Do not shoot. Do not shoot over anybody. You will ring their ears. You will mm-hmm. piss them off. It's just unsportsmanlike. Don't, yeah. don't. You got a zone. You stay in. So, so talk about the zone. Talk about zones for a second. For you know, someone, I could, I could generally assume what that means, but how does that get decided? What's the deal with the zones? Basically, mm-hmm. like the way I think of it is like, let's say there's five guys in a pit. You know, this guy had like the geese are way out to the left. Like that guy on the end left, mm-hmm. he has the opportunity to shoot. No one else is going to shoot, right? Because you're going to shoot over him and next way too close to him. You're going to ring his ears. Just that's just, I know it's exciting and you really want to get a bird, but just it's not worth it. It's not worth it. So you really want him to be out in front of you or a little to the left, a little to the right, but you do never ever want to cross. It, it's just like a pizza. It's like a slice yeah. of pizza. You want to stay in your it. slice of pizza. Yeah. 
Okay. Basically, a skinny slice of pizza, not a fat slice of pizza. Yeah. So y'all are basically <laughs> y'all are basically lined up, and you each kind of get a little yes. cone. Of, yes, just like yep. that. cone of Perfect. fire, if you will. Okay. Yep. There you go. Ice cream <laughs> <cone>. Yeah. <laughs> I basically like when I'm like in the zone. Like I really listen to like whoever's calling. I really watch them because I feel like they're the whole, like always the ones to see the birds. They're first. watching the birds. Yeah. You want to look right into that yep. guy's eyes and just watch yep. where his eyes are going, so you know kind of where to get going. And then there's always gonna you want to make sure that there's one person calling the shot. You mm-hmm. cannot have two to three people calling the shot. It just doesn't work like that. So it's it's nice to like um, you know get that out on the table too. As soon as mm-hmm. you get a blind, like all right, who's calling the shot? I want to listen to one person type of thing and go from there. Gotcha. So usually, uh, so do you usually have like one dedicated caller in the blind as well? For the most, we haven't yeah, even really for, touched on that. For the most part, I've been on multiple hunts where, you know, people will chime in, but everybody sounds different. Yeah. It doesn't hurt, but when we've had some callers that it's like, can you, <laughs> can you not? <laughs> like, you're going to scare the birds away. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm still practicing. <laughs> I, it's hard. Like, I mean, duck calling is, is, um, I'm getting there, but like goose calling. Oh my God. That is, it's hard. Really? I can I actually blow a goose call pretty good. I cannot get a duck call to sound like, like a normal call. duck yeah. <laughs> at all. I sound like just like, like one of them uh, yeah. duck lips, yeah. quacker things. Yeah, yeah. that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have enough forks behind it. Yeah. I've actually got a set of pretty nice duck calls that were gifted to me from, really? uh, yeah, it's, uh, my buddy in Texas, the one that invited me out hunting. Okay. He, uh, I went, I went out, I was on a road trip and I ended up, we ended up just having some drinks at his place and, and the beers turned into whiskey and cigars. Mm-hmm. And it turned into an evening. Neither of us remember so well. Um, <laughs> but I pass out on his couch and I wake up to like a gift bag from him. And it's got like, it's got some, some elk stuff in it, but then it's got, uh, we had been talking about waterfall hunting and how I wanted to go. And so he dropped in a, a finisher, a couple of elk calls for me. Oh, cool. Actually, awesome. I, I have a wooden duck phone up here that he also gave me. <laughs> that is. Okay. I've been looking for one of those for months and I found one on eBay. They're like $140 and I don't want to spend the money, but I'm about to. Like, actually, that, that's a nice gift. Yeah. Somebody it, buy me that. So he's a podcaster as well. And it, uh, it has been sitting in his office since he started his podcast. And so that's why he gifted it to me. Oh, I also my. randomly have my, I think it was my great grandfather's original duck decoy floater uh floater decoy mallard is it wooden? Um, yeah it's a wooden That's it's cool. it's all faded and painted awesome but uh yeah so i've got for for a dude that's never duck hunted i've got ducks on the wall i've got decoys <laughs> calls i've got wooden ducks over here i've got i got this crap everywhere i need to get my ass out oh. is what needs to happen <laughs> have you ever carved a decoy i have not um i'm so far in my life, I've been too impatient. I get, I, I get something going whenever I, anything, whenever, ever, since I've been a kid, I go to carve something. Then I get really impatient and I just start taking big old chunks out and it looks like it was done by Picasso by the time I'm done. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um I had the chance to go to North Carolina to the it's called um Soundcore Decoy Carvers Guild in Harker. I think it's called Harker's Island, North Carolina. It was like four like four years ago, and it was four girls only. So I got to meet like mm-hmm. a ton of um you know different you know hunters and which was awesome and um we got to carve uh are called redhead ducks and um so it was it was really hard because i have carpal tunnel so it, <laughs> it hurt really bad but i mean it just made me appreciate you know like all the decoy carvers like back in the day you know that that's all they that's, had, that's you work. know, and, but, and mine can float too, <laughs> but I mean, I have it in a case and everything, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's the one thing about Maryland. So Habit of Grace is a huge, um, hunting area. So this guy, Harry Jobs, he was a decoy carver and he's just, when, once you say the name Harry Jobs, everyone in Maryland knows who you're talking about. Cause he's just that famous. And his, I believe his son still works. They have a museum that you can go see all the decoys that he carved and everything. And just the background of it is really cool and interesting to learn about. It's a very neat yeah. historical little town. See, I love stuff like that. I, I really, you know, I, I one of the big things I nerd out on, it's like when I picked up archery, I started building my own arrows. And when I, uh, you know, I love reloading ammo and like, just learning all of the history and mm-hmm. all of the little bits and pieces and yeah. and little things like, you know, if I, if I can learn to make something that I'll use in the field, like my next big thing is I, I, I'm going to work with a friend. And I'm going to forge my own hunting knife and I'm super excited about that. So like learning about the history of like hand carved decoys and just that, that general history of the outdoors and hunting is, I, I love hearing that stuff. And it's just so fascinating to me. Yeah, and it makes you appreciate like what we have today. <laughs> like we're but spoiled. <laughs> yeah, a long way. Yeah, a long way. Well, as we're kind of winding down here, one thing I always like to kind of finish up with: say, say y'all run into someone, they, you know, you're in your, you're in your waiters, you're picking up snacks for your, for your hunt, whatever it happens to be, um, yeah. and uh, they're like, oh man, y'all going hunting? I, I've really wanted to do that. I've always, always, always wanted to go hunting. Uh, but I don't know. There's a lot to learn. It's really intimidating. I don't think I could do it. Yeah. Somebody came up to you and said that. What words of encouragement would you give them? What kind of, what would you say to that person? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't, like, don't be scared. I mean, if they are timid, I would tell them, you know, or come with me one day, you know? let me show you how it all works. And if you don't like it, okay, you did it, you know? And if you do like it, then great, you know, keep up with it. And I mean, it's just a great uh, way to just learn and appreciate nature. And I think that's what we lack in today's society is the, you know, appreciation of nature and God's country, basically. But um, what would you say? I would say that you have to start somewhere. We've yeah. all been in a position. We didn't come out of wound hunting, you know, so definitely just do it and get out there. It's 
great because you know you get to spend that quality time with yep. your friends and family you meet new people you build relationships there's a lot to learn and again the appreciation of nature and it's just it's a whole nother world yeah and it's it's literally like my life my passion mm-hmm. like my happy place is the woods or in the stream or just on the boat just out one with nature it gets you away from reality like that's it's it's peace that's it's that's peace. my peaceful place Pure peace and just like Nadra was saying I wouldn't I probably wouldn't have known her if it wasn't for hunting and you know and a lot of other people I wouldn't have known you know it's it's awesome no, I agree completely. Though I I do disagree with the fact that it gets you away from reality because I'm pretty sure that is reality and everything else we do outside of that is is what's taking us away from reality. But Um all right, so if folks wanted to follow along with all the adventures, where can they find you guys online? They can find me on Instagram at Sarah J. Waterfowler. And they can find me on Instagram at May 15 All right. Well, I will make sure to link to both y'all's profiles on the show notes page. That's going to be thewildinitiative.com slash 163. Thank you guys so much for sitting down and joining me. I had a really good time just uh, talking a little bit about waterfowling. Yeah, yeah no thank you so much. We appreciate it. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com slash 163. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish this is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here from the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters enjoy the best fishing panama city beach has to offer during chasing the sun sundays at 9 30 a.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment through the blackwater bayous and in the dark louisiana night floats a duck camp alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.